Life podcast. We truly hope you'll be inspired and challenged today. Now, let's dive into this message with the family at Pleasant Ridge. We are talking about something that's uh, very interesting uh, today here. Um, In chapter 3 here, Paul has been instructing in how we as believers should be living because the gospel has changed our lives and how the gospel has made an effect in our lives uh, in so much that it affects our relationships as we had uh, looked at previously. But um, here now, beginning in verse 18, all the way through chapter 4, verse number 1, Paul is going to address the household. He's going to address the family life and really how the gospel should have an effect on the family. And uh, he's telling this church and us how doctrinal truths of setting your minds on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, how and why that should affect how we live uh, in our homes, how our marriages should be affected, uh, how our relationships with our children should be affected, how even he talks about slaves and masters, because believe it or not, at that time you did have... uh, people that own slaves, and they live there in the house. And so Paul says this is how this is supposed to be instructed uh, to that as well. Uh, So he's going to tell us how this is going to affect our marriages. So let's read this verse here, verse number 18, Colossians 3, 18. He says, Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Now, I believe that God's word couldn't be clear on this. Um... And uh, really as and concise as to what this means. Now, if there are no questions at all to, as what, to, as to what this means, we can all go home. <laughs> but in reality, we, we know that that's not the case, right? Um, the truth is there's a lot of confusion as to what biblical submission really is. Sadly, there are many wives who have heard verses like this and have been taught and told that it only means that if your husband tells you to do something... You do it. So if he tells you to get out there and split that firewood and mix up that mortar and paint the house, you better be out there with a smile on your face and doing it. Uh, There are also wives that have been at the receiving end of a husband who use verses like this to make sure that everyone knows that he is the boss. Some think that submission means the total passivity of the wife. The husband makes all the decisions without consulting her taking her needs and desires into account. He controls the money, determines where the family will live, whether he will take the new job, whether they're going to buy a new car, whether they, uh, where they're going to do, what the money, what they have, and she just passively goes along with whatever he decides. Others think that submission means that the wife should take care of all the household chores, cooking, cleaning, shopping, and dealing with the kids, while the husband works, brings home the paycheck, and watches sports on TV. Today, there are many Christians that embrace what is known as egalitarianism. Egalitarianism is saying that there are no distinctive roles for men and women, and there are no distinctive roles for men and women in the marriage or in the church. Uh, there should be a, what they refer to as a mutual submission uh, with no one exercising final authority. They argue that the biblical commands for wives to be subject to their husbands were culturally determined. 
Paul told wives to be subject to their husbands in that male-dominated culture so that the truth of the equality of the sexes would not interfere with the gospel. But now that we live in a more egalitarian age, we should cast off all gender-based role distinctions. Because of misunderstandings on the role of women in the home and bad teaching on verses like this, um, I believe that there is widespread domestic abuse that happens in homes uh, where wives uh, live in fear, uh, their homes are torn apart uh, because of a husband who is using verses like this to say, you better submit to me. Um, according to the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence, these are statistics from their website, one in three women have been the object of some form of physical violence from an intimate partner. One in four women have been victims of severe physical violence by an intimate partner. And about one in five instances of domestic violence involves a weapon. Now, if you think that domestic violence doesn't happen in the homes of people who attend the church, you are sadly, sadly mistaken, and you're not living in reality. Uh, Tragically, studies reveal that spousal abuse is just as common with evangelical churches like this one uh, or anywhere else. And this means that about 25% of Christian homes witness abuse towards women of some kind. And these studies are just on physical abuse and don't include things such as uh, verbal and emotional abuse. So in light of all these things, how should we understand what Paul is saying here, wives... Submit to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord. I want to dispel some of the bad teaching that you may have been exposed to and uh, hopefully allow God's word to be really the final authority on what a submissive wife really is. Now, husbands, if you are nudging your wife right now, don't worry. Next week's coming for you, okay? Um, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that. But this is what I'd like for you to take away with you this morning. Wives reflect God's divine order by submitting to your husbands. Okay. So let's take note of a couple things here. Number one, what is submission? If we're going to understand the role of women in the home, then we must understand what biblical submission really is. God has so ordered the home that he gives each member of the family a certain role. Take note of these specific roles here as we look at uh, Colossians 3, verse 18. You have the wife's role, and her role is to submit. Verse 19 gives us the husband's role, and he is to love. Verse 20, the child's role, they are to obey. Verse 21, the father's role is to not provoke. Verse 22, the bondservant's role, to obey. And in chapter 4, verse number 1, the master's role is to treat their servants justly and fairly. We also find a parallel passage of this in Ephesians 5, 22 through uh, chapter 6, verse number 9. And the passage there in Ephesians gives us greater details how the husband is to love and lead his wife. And the passage in Ephesians deals more with the husband's attitude and the responsibilities towards his wife. But sadly, though, wives end up bearing the brunt of that passage and because they see that one verse, wives submit to your own husbands. 
Husbands always, always, always have a greater responsibility from the Lord, and God holds husbands accountable in how they are leading and loving their wives, as where the wife's responsibility before the Lord is only to submit. Submission is in no way implies a difference in essence or worth. It does refer, however, to a willing submission of oneself. Wives, submission is to be your voluntary response to God's will. It's a willingness to give up your rights, in this case, to your husband. Husbands are to treat their wives like slaves, barking commands at them. They are to treat their wives as equals, assuming their God-given responsibility of caring, protecting, and providing for them. Likewise, wives fulfill their God-given responsibility when they submit willingly to their own husbands. Submission reflects not only the depth of intimacy and vitality in the relationship, but also the sense of ownership a wife has for her husband. Uh, wives, I would encourage you to read uh, the Song of Solomon. That is just chock full of, uh, you see the, the wife and the husband and how the husband comes to her and how she calls out to her husband and she talks about her husband, what he looks like. Uh, and you see that willing submission that she has uh, towards her husband. Let me read to you what Elizabeth Elliot wrote in a short article titled The Essence of Femininity. And I encourage you to read the entire article, which you can find on crossway.org. And this is just part of the article, which I believe offers a fitting summary of God's ideal for wives. She writes this, Unlike Eve, whose response to God was calculating and self-serving, the Virgin Mary's answer holds no hesitation about risk or losses or the interruption of her own plans. It is an utter and unconditional self-giving. I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. Luke 1.38 This is what I understand to be the essence of femininity. It means surrender. Think of a bride. She surrenders her independence, her name, her destiny, her will, herself to the bridegroom in marriage. The gentle and quiet spirit of which Peter speaks, calling it which is so precious to God, 1 Peter 3, 4, is the true femininity which found its epitome in Mary, end quote. Now take note of that word submit there. The word Paul uses here is a military term. I know we have some guys in here that served in the military and uh, also some women that served in the military as well. And when you think of that, the idea there is that you are putting yourself under rank in somebody else. It doesn't mean that you're less of a person. It just means that there is somebody that has a different role than you do, and so you are voluntarily placing yourself under rank of that person. This word submit does not mean that it demotes the wife to a second-class status in the home or the marriage. It speaks of a functional ranking, not in, not in inferiority of essence. Also, the word submit is not a four-letter word. You say, what word is that? Obey. When my wife and I first got married, not knowing uh, some of this stuff, 
And, you know, just kind of you go up there before the, the pastor and, you know, he has the, the vows, right, that you're supposed to, to do and you're supposed to quote and say and all that stuff. And, you know, we're just kind of sitting there, okay, so where do I stand? Okay, I stand right here, all right, what, you know, you do all that stuff. And uh, the vows that my wife repeated to me, one of the things that she said is, I will obey you. <laughs> that is not scriptural. Uh, you don't find that wives are to obey their husbands, they are to submit to their husbands. Now, because my wife made that vow before the Lord, uh, the only one that can release her from that vow is the husband. That's what scripture teaches. So I released her from that vow. I said, you are not supposed to obey me, okay? Uh, scripturally, you should submit, but not obey, okay? Uh, submission does not demand blind, fawning, slavish, kowtowing to your husband's every whim. The word for obey is a completely different word, uh, and it's what Paul demanded of children in Colossians 3.20 and also slaves in Colossians 3.22, but it's not the same word as submit. It's a different word. But a wife is neither a child nor a slave waiting on her husband while he sits in an easy chair and issues commands such as hand me the remote, get me something to drink, fix me a snack, clean the house, wash my shirts, on and on and on it goes. You get the idea. Marriage is a much more personal and intimate relationship than that. It's a union, a partnership, a singular mutual devotion, and that truth is emphasized by the words, notice what he says, submit to whom? To your husbands. Every time that the New Testament speaks to the role of wives, the command is the same. Be subject to your husbands. God has given roles of authority for the blessing and the protection of those under authority and never for the advantage of the ones in authority. God loves his people, and in his wisdom, he has ordained proper authority for the benefit of human race. As we have seen in our country, that those in government authority have used their position to further their own interest at the expense of others. And when they do this, they are corrupt and will answer to God who delegated authority to them. Likewise, any husband, husbands, listen, any husband who uses his authority in the home to lord it over his family for his own advantage, is liable before God for abusing his authority. And so to be in authority does not mean greater perks, but rather greater responsibility and accountability before God. So let me give you a few things about this submission. Okay, Here they are. Number one. Wives are only to submit to their husbands. Previous church that we were at, uh, pastor there felt that it was his responsibility to usurp the authority that God had given me in my house. And so he was asking my wife to do certain things. Well, I'm sorry, that's not your place to do that. You are not her husband. God did not place you as the husband, okay? Uh, he placed me as the husband, okay? So he was usurping his authority. And wives, I would say, or husbands, 
do not let any man usurp your authority in the home. You are the person that God has placed in that home to lead and love and care for your wife, not some other man. And so you need to uh, protect that. But notice to whom Paul specifies that wives should submit to, to your husbands, right? We find also in the parallel passage uh, in marriage uh, in Ephesians that Paul begins in verse 22 with the wife's role to submit to her husband. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. And he actually ends that passage in verse 33 in her attitude of submission that is shown through respect towards her husband. And let the wife see that she respects her husband. Why is this significant? Well, because women as a group are not made slaves to men in general. And men aren't automatically elevated to a ruling class over all women. But scripture calls each woman to submit in particular to her own husband's headship. Not just men in general. Secondly, this command is general and sweeping. It's not limited to wives whose husbands are fulfilling their function. It's not addressed only to wives with children, wives of church leaders, or even wives whose husbands are faithful believers. It's categorical and unconditional, simply stated as wives. By the way, just so we're clear on this, a wife is a biological woman. Okay. A husband is a biological man. Okay. A wife cannot be a husband, and a husband cannot be a wife. I don't even know why we've got to talk about that, but really we do. Okay. So just so we're clear. Okay. Men are not women, nor can they become women, and women aren't men, nor can they become men. Paul says to the women who are married and are fulfilling the role of a wife, if you fit that classification, you then are obligated to submit. You are obligated to obey this command that is in Scripture by submitting to your own husband. Thirdly, husbands are never commanded, exercise authority over your wife. He doesn't say that. You never find that in Scripture, one bit. You never see where, where Paul says, by the way, husbands, you need to rule over your wife. No, on the contrary, what do you see? Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church, right? Okay. The headship of the husband is stated as a fact, but the commands to submit are always given to the wife. The husband is commanded to love his wife sacrificially. And when husbands and wives each focus on their God-ordained responsibilities toward each other, there will be harmony in the home and not abuse. Fourthly, submission does not mean that the husband is superior and the wife inferior. A wife may in fact be superior in intellect and spiritual maturity to her husband. I've known a lot of husbands that are just idiots, okay, for lack of a better term, okay, so just because God has given you the responsibility of being the head of your household doesn't mean that you are all-knowing, you know, sometimes my wife says, Mike, you just make up stuff, 
Okay? So a wife may be superior in intellect and spiritual maturity to her husband. Paul affirms in Galatians 3.28 that she is just as much a member of Christ as her husband is. She is in every way equal as a person to her husband, just different roles. That's it. Number five, to submit does not mean that you are passive wives. A submissive wife is not one who meekly goes along with her husband while keeping her thoughts and feelings to herself. Close relationships are built on truthfulness and openness in a context of love. If a wife withholds her viewpoint or feelings under the guise of submissiveness, she is creating distance in her relationship with her husband. A wife can be both strong and even outspoken and yet be submissive in spirit if she respects her husband and backs his leadership even when she disagrees. I believe that a wife has every right to offer her thoughts and opinions and every husband, listen guys, every husband would be wise to consider their wives' opinions and thoughts as what Peter tells us in 1 Peter 3, 7. Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. When he says weaker vessel, it doesn't mean that she can't do anything. It doesn't mean that she's just some silly woman at home and can't do anything, right? He's talking about that she is the fine china and crystal, You treat it with more respect, right? And you are just the Tupperware and the metal thermos, right? So he says, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, because they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Number six, submission does not mean that a wife cannot confront her husband. 1 Peter 3, 1 says that a wife should win a disobedient husband without a word by her godly behavior. It is not prohibiting them from speaking. You see that uh, word in there, which we'll look at here in in just a bit, about being quiet. It's not saying that she can't speak. Peter means that the main emphasis of the wife's way of changing her husband should be her behavior, not sermons. A disobedient husband will not be won over by preaching. He will not be won over by a nagging wife. Okay? But that does not mean that in the context of living a godly life, a wife cannot lovingly speak to her husband about his disobedience and how it's damaging their relationship. If a wife does not speak the truth in love, she is not fulfilling her responsibility in the marriage. So what does biblical submission look like then? Well, from what I see in Scripture, and from what I see what Scripture teaches, it means that God has given the role of the husbands to lead their wives, families, and households physically and spiritually. And as the husband follows Scripture and is considering his wife's thoughts, concerns, ideas, opinions, the husband makes a decision and his wife comes along and supports or submits to his leadership. If the husband makes a wrong decision, God will hold him accountable, not the wife accountable. So wives, you're off the hook. 
The wife's role is to come alongside and submit to his headship, which God will hold you accountable to. So here's the second thing. Why should wives submit? Why? Because it reveals God's divine order. Sometimes when the topic of submission comes up, some like to point to the Bible and say, well, you know, Paul was writing this during a time when males dominated society and he was only expressing what was culturally acceptable at that time. 2 Peter 1.20 reminds us that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. God has spoken clearly and distinctively and consistently in Scripture about this topic. Every time the Bible speaks about the role of the wife, the emphasis is exactly the same. This is not some chauvinistic private opinion of the Apostle Paul, nor is it an unclear principle that's only vaguely suggested in Scripture. Every passage that touches on the subject of the wife's role says essentially the same thing. I've already mentioned the passage in Ephesians and 1 Peter, but there's also another passage in Titus 2, 3 through 5. Older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good and so train the young women to love their husbands and children. Verse 5, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands that the word of God may not be reviled. Why should wives submit to their husbands? And I think that's really a fair and honest question. Obviously, it's commanded, but it reflects and reveals God's divine order. Notice how Paul doesn't just end this command abruptly. Wives, submit to your husbands. But why? We're getting into that stage now uh, with our child. But why? Well, because I said so. But why? Right? I mean, we've got to ask that question. But why, God? Why, why should I submit to my husband? Notice how Paul here, he uses this phrase here. Okay? And we should always let Scripture interpret Scripture. And in this text of Colossians, we see an added brief phrase here that sheds light on why this command is so important. You see that at the end there? As is fitting in the Lord. Now take note of that word fitting there. It means what is seemly, proper, or right. It's an expression commonly used of something that is legally or morally binding. Paul seems to be pointing out that the headship of the husband and the submission of the wife are an accepted law of virtually all human society. We are seeing a breakdown of that law today, aren't we, in our culture? And uh, when you see families begin to crumble, what happens to society? The culture crumbles as well. Families are really the fabric. It's what is the makeup of our society, of our culture. That's why, you know... Uh, Homosexual marriage is wrong because it violates God's order and divine design of marriage, right? So you've got to have this culture together, 
And the way that it's held together is by families operating within the system that God has designed. He's ordered it that way, okay? And if it doesn't work, it's, it's going to fall apart, okay? So Paul here was suggesting that it is fitting and recognized as such throughout the history of human culture because it is the divine order. It is fitting in the Lord. This is a very strong expression about the propriety of the husband's headship. In God's original creation, the man and woman together were to reflect God's image. How so? Well, we see in Scripture the voluntary submission of the Son to the Father in order to carry out the divine plan of salvation. Though the Son is co-eternal and co-equal with the Father, Jesus submitted himself to the cross so that Satan's dominion would be broken. The husband and wife are to relate to one another as the Father and the Son relate to each other. The wife, though equal with her husband, submits to him to reflect God's image and to fulfill his purpose of dominion over Satan. Paul further develops that theme in Ephesians 5 where he states that the Christian marriage is a picture of what? Christ and the church. And what is the church supposed to be doing? Submitting to whom? To Christ. And he likens it and he says, okay, just like how Jesus sacrificed himself, he loved the church and gave himself up for it, husbands, likewise you do that. And wives, just as, as, as Christ submitted right to the Father, he says the church is supposed to submit to Christ and how wives are supposed to submit to their own husbands. And so it is fitting in the Lord for the wife to submit herself to her husband to uphold God's purpose for creating human beings, namely to reflect his image and to crush Satan's dominion. God's image and divine order is best put on display through the sacrificial love of the husband for his wife and the voluntary submission of the wife to her husband in the context of equality as they exercise dominion over God's enemy. So let's wrap all this up with a very good question, okay? Here's the question. Am I really to submit to my husband in everything? Am I really supposed to submit to him in everything? Now, there may be some here that have some questions in their mind in relation to submission or maybe uh, other people that you may know. And hopefully I can shed some light on these questions and perhaps you have been faced with or... Like I said, know somebody who has faced these questions as well. So should I submit to my husband in everything? If he says to do it, am I obligated to? Remember the word submit is not obey. But let's turn over to 1 Peter 3 to kind of help us uh, understand this a little bit more. Okay, 1 Peter chapter number 3. And perhaps some of the things we're going to look at here will help us answer some tough questions. Okay, 1 Peter 3. Peter is giving some... Uh, instruction to wives and husbands, okay? 1 Peter 3, verses 1 through 2. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Now, notice Peter does not say, 
You are to submit only if your husband is loving and leading you well. We find a biblical example of that that Peter gives uh, in the example about Sarah and Abraham, which he quotes later on in uh, verses 6 and 7. And if you need some context of the story, uh, it's found in Genesis uh, 12, 1 through 16. Here's Abraham and Sarah. Uh, There's a famine going on. And they decide, hey, let's head over to Egypt because we hear that there's some food over there. So they're on their way over to Egypt. And as they're riding their camels, you know, whatever they're doing, Abraham's looking at his wife and he's going, man, she's actually pretty good looking. Uh-oh. We're going over to Egypt. What if those guys decide they want to try to take my wife? Oh, boy. I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to make up a story here. So that way, I don't die. So they get there to Egypt. And he thinks that the Egyptians are going to kill him so that they can take Sarah into Pharaoh's harem. And Abraham's solution isn't to turn back, because since dying of starvation is still on the table, but instead he figures he will lie and have Sarah lie as well to trick the Egyptians. So here's Abraham, the husband, saying to Sarah, you are going to lie. Because if they take her, what do you think they're going to do to him? So he's thinking, hey, you know what? I want to save my own skin. Boy, that sounds like a loving husband, doesn't it? And so he lies, and he asks Sarah to lie about it, okay? And he tells Sarah that she uh, needs to present herself as his sister for what appears to be an utterly self-serving reason. Let me read to you verses 12 through 13. And when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but they will let you live. Say you are my sister so that it may go well with me because of you and that my life may be spared on your account. Wow, what a great upstanding husband. In all the situation, Abraham ends up making a profit in the deal in the end of it. Verse 16, and for her sake he, Pharaoh, dealt well with Abram And he had sheep, oxen, male donkeys, male and female slaves, female donkeys, and camels. All that stuff was given to him. Because there he is, lying and telling his wife to lie just so he can save his own skin. He's throwing his wife under the bus. Now, what do we learn from all this? Peter gives this as an example, not to say, wives, this is the kind of situation you need to put yourself in, or this is a godly situation, okay? Abraham didn't have the law, okay? But here he is, he's not caring for his wife, but we learn something from Sarah's action to all of this, and her attitude is that of submission. Even though it was a very hard and difficult, this is an extreme, extreme case, she was still submitting to his leadership. And so obviously this is not saying that wives are to be put in that situation and have to submit Abraham was doing wrong, he did wrong, he shouldn't have done it, but yet Sarah's 
response to that was that she still called him Lord and submitted to him. So Peter is telling us, here's an extreme example of a husband who is not caring for his wife and desiring to save his own neck, and he offers up his wife to a king instead and is rewarded in return by a hefty profit from the king, and yet Sarah's attitude is key to learning something about submission. Peter says here that wives are to submit to their husbands, notice this, even if some do not obey the word, disobedient to the word primarily refers to an unbelieving husband, but it also may include a professing believer who is difficult, cantankerous, or disobedient. So what should the wife do? Well, first, I believe that she should uh, try to make sure that her behavior and attitude and words are respectful and pure, as what uh, First Peter uh, tells us here, and that she has a gentle and quiet spirit, as what 1 Peter 3, 4. The word pure there means undefiled. She should never retaliate to abusive speech with abusive speech or punish her husband with the silent, angry treatment, but rather give a blessing instead, as what 1 Peter 3, 9 says, do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless for to this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. And if she is angry and bitter, she needs to repent and show him God's love. That's Matthew 5, 44 through 46, Luke 6, 27 through 28, and also Luke 6, 32 through 33. The word gentle here that, that uh, Peter says that wives are supposed to be showing means strength under control. Quiet here does not mean that she can't talk. It means not being contentious or argumentative. So what if my husband is asking me to do something sinful or join him in sinful behavior? A wife should never join her husband in sinful behavior. If he makes a profession of faith or is a church member but insists that she join him in sinful behavior, after appealing to him if he persists, she should go to the elders of the church who should be men who are godly and seek godly counsel. If the elders are godly, they will confront his sin. And if he's not a believer, she should gently explain the reason that she cannot join him in disobedience to the Lord. Listen to what 1 Peter 3, 13 through 16 has to say about this kind of stuff. Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your heart's Honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. So what if my husband is disobedient to the word and is being verbally abusive, but not physically abusive? I would counsel that the wife needs to make sure that she does not provoke him by her words or behavior unless he is provoked by your good behavior, okay, by your, by your behavior for following Christ. She should gently explain that she would like to be close to him, but his abusive speech is creating distance. I'd say, well, what if my husband is threatening violence or is violent against me or our children? Well, I would counsel you to flee to a place of safety and stay in a place of safety till things are resolved. 
If you believe that you need to leave your husband, as what 1 Corinthians 7, 10 through 13 uh, has quite a lot to say about situations such as this. If the wife leaves her husband, Paul teaches that if you leave the marriage, then you need to remain unmarried or be reconciled with your husband. Now, I know that's not popular today, but that's what Scripture teaches. Okay? No man should be allowed to bully his family and cause them to live in constant fear because of his violent temper. Look again here in 1 Peter 3, coming back here. Winning the disobedient husband without a word means being a godly example in the face of his ungodly behavior. You win him without a word. You're living out a godly example before your husband. Sometimes, but not always, God will use a wife's godly behavior to bring her disobedient husband to repentance and faith. But whatever his response, she will know that she is pleasing the Lord. In short, here it is. Wives are to submit to their husband's headship as long as it is not sinful and does not go against Scripture. Now, if you're in a difficult situation, I encourage you to seek godly counsel. Find a mature woman of God to confide in and pray with. The command for a wife to submit is never a license for a husband to be abusive. An abusive husband needs to repent. A wife's submissive, gentle, and quiet spirit is God's way to win a disobedient husband to repentance and faith in Christ, is what 1 Peter 3, 1-4 teaches us here. And it really follows the example of the Lord Jesus, who, while being reviled, did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously, 1 Peter 2, 23. Submission really... To God-ordained authority is not easy, especially when the authority is not godly. But it is fitting in the Lord. Let's pray together. If you're interested in more information about our church or knowing the peace that Jesus gives, visit our website at lifeattheridge.church.